You know, she inspired a generation and future generations, surely, of young black girls especially, uh, to come through and play a sport that they probably thought that they was not even open to them. She made things possible. And she also made the impossible possible. And welcome to a brand new edition of Match Points here on TennisMajors.com, where we come to debate and discuss the biggest topics in tennis. And this would be our pre-US Open special edition. Let's say hello to the panel as always. Let's begin on the ladies' side. She, former Wimbledon champion, broadcaster, journalist, on-court host, Marion Bartoli. She, of course, tennis writer, author, and journalist, Carol Bouchard. And he is our, uh, well, writer, journalist, insider, writers association. He's, he's all things tennis and is well aware of the draw as well. Our friend Simon Campers. Okay, team, let's get at this. Uh, the draw is out right now. Just a real quick take on what, just one thing that jumps out to you immediately. One thing that jumps out immediately to you. And let's begin with you, Simon, because you're aware of this draw as it just came out. Well, I mean, given the fact that the draw was done behind closed doors and uh, we weren't allowed to see it happen, which is always a very strange thing, I still don't get it and I think it needs to change. But uh, obviously waiting to see where Serena was. She's got Danka Kovinic, um, ranked 80 in the world, pretty good player. I mean, to be honest, I think Serena's going to struggle against whoever she plays, if she plays the way she has in the last few weeks. There's always the unknown. Um but it, it, it's also a match that she will think, okay, I can win that. So that's the one that leaps out for me. All right, Marion Bartoli, same question. What jumps off the page for you with this draw now just released? Well, obviously Serena, but Simon chose it. But then it's a defending champion, Emara Ducanu. And funny enough, she's playing against a French player, Alizé Cornet, who can be really difficult to, to beat and really difficult to pull out of the court. So it will be a very long match. I think. I think we can all... You know, sit in front of our TV and watch it for more than three hours because it's going to be a lot of long rallies. But I was really looking forward to to that woman's draw because for me, obviously, Serena and, and Radu Kanu is two of the biggest story of the tournament. So that was my pick. All right, see, same question, Carol Bouchard. What do you see immediately in this draw? Well, Marion just told mine because when I was told Corner Radu Kanu first, I'm like, okay, sign me in. I want to watch this already. You know, the first round, you always watch what kind of drama or really intense matches you're going to get, and this one, I mean. Keep the popcorn at the ready because honestly that could be a good one. And I think Kyrgios is playing Kokinakis, if I'm not mistaken. So that also could be a really, really interesting, uh, interesting match. Uh, it seems the big names have escaped a little. Uh, no first round disaster, I want to say. So let's let's look at those two. All right, panel. Well, obviously this is the Serena Williams farewell tour, and this appears to be the final stop thereof. She is the overwhelming storyline above and beyond. So let's get into this farewell. What exactly do you, what exactly do you yourself expect from Serena in this swan song, if you will? Carol Bouchard, I'll come to you first. What do you expect from Serena? Well, I, I expect, I hope for her, she will get a competitive match that she gets out after, a, you know, some qualities that she can be fine with going away from the game from. I mean, not everybody gets a pizza and fries fairy tale winning the Grand Slam and, and just you know bowing out so viewing the form she has right now and the little matches she played it's tough to hope like she's going to win the US Open maybe she will it's Serena you never know but right now it doesn't seem like it's the most likely you know chance so at least I just hope she's getting the match she deserves to leave the game big battle good quality and that she's fine just saying bye bye after that you use the words wish and hope and they got nothing to do with expect 
We all wish and hope the best. What do you what do you expect? Not not what to happen, what do you expect to happen? Yeah. It's tough to expect something because she's played so little and nothing says that she can do something. But it's Serena Williams. It's like Rafa and Clay. It's be disrespect it will be disrespectful to not expect anything. So I'm expecting she goes through the first round. Let's start with that. Okay. Marion Bartoli, what do you expect from Serena Williams in this final farewell tour? Well, I'm expecting her to to go out and leave everything she has on that court at that very single minute and, and leave every single second like it could be the last, which is obviously, you know, could be the case because she's playing in her last tournament. But I think knowing her and knowing how much passion she brings when she's playing on the court, I think that extra part, because she's playing her last tournament, she wants to go out on a high note. She doesn't want to sort of embarrass herself or feeling disappointed about her performance. So she, I'm expecting her to raise her level of intensity the highest of the highest of what we have been able to witness through the last two decades, probably from Serena. But I think we've all seen it already at the US Open. Everyone is preparing, you know, every single details to make for Serena that last tournament extremely special. They have covered a whole locker room inside her, her own locker room with pictures of her throughout her success of the US Open. So they're going to make every single moment extremely special. But I expect her to go out there and fight like she probably never fought before because she she really wants to go out being proud of herself. Sometimes you want it, but your body yeah. doesn't doesn't want it. So how do you how do you go out there and leave everything when you maybe obviously physically you're not 100 percent with so she's not moving that well. Maybe she will get better here. But mentally, how do you go out there knowing it's the last one and you're, you you know if your body is going to handle it? Well, it's just of that. It's just the adrenaline. Yeah. It's the adrenaline level that just gonna drives you. You know, the adrenaline level, that sort of sense that you want to survive a situation, can gives you extraordinary power. And I and she, she, I mean, she showed it to us over the years that she could be able sometimes to win a Grand Slam when she was looking completely out of it and she was sick or she was unfit or whatever, and she was still able to go out there compete and win seven matches in a row. I'm not saying she's gonna win seven matches in a row, but I'm truly and sincerely think that she's going to go out there and, and play a lot better than what she did in, in the previous tournament just because of that adrenaline factor. All right, again, separating wish and hope versus expectation. Simon Cambers, Serena Williams is the most competitive person I've ever personally known. Not athlete, just person, human being, the most competitive human being I've ever known in my life. What are your expectations, Simon, in this final tournament of her illustrious historic career? I expect her to play a lot better than she has in the last few weeks. I expect her to raise her game. I expect her to put on a show. There is no question it's going to be a night match, surely. Um, the crowd's going to be crazy. I, I feel a little bit sorry for Danka Kovinic because, you know, no no one will want her to win other than her family. And yet, you know, she's got to hold her nerve under all that pressure. So I think Serena has a chance to get through. And I expect her to definitely improve on what she's done recently. But she's a long, long, long way off where she was. And Kovinic is a seasoned player who's played big stages before. So I, I part of me expects her to go out first round. Um, but, this, you know, I, I would I would say if I had to choose it, I think she'll lose first round. All right, so that leads then to our next question, part B of this. Which do you believe panel is more likely to happen? Serena to exit in round one or to make a miraculous run to the quarterfinals? Which is more likely to happen? Uh, Marion Bartoli, we'll let Quarter you go Quarterfinal run. Quarterfinal run. All right. 
Let's continue straight through. Carol Bouchard, which is more likely? I'm sorry, I'm going to be the naysayer. I'm going to say first round. Simon Cambers, which is more likely to happen for Serena? Exit in first round or to make a miraculous run to the semifinals? Quarters! <laughs> quarters, quarterfinals. I apologize. Let's go quarterfinals. Quarterfinals. If, yes, Simon, if, to quarterfinals. If, 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 if I now say that she gets to the quarterfinals, then I've covered both of them. Surely, this is would be good. I think she's more likely she goes out first round. Sad to say, but I just think she's a long way off. I know she'll play better than she has recently, but that's that's the way I'm leaning. Fair enough. Okay, panel, as of the legacy, and we know legacies really shouldn't be written until it's all said and done, but as of today, what exactly is Serena Williams' legacy according to you? Not to the masses, but to you. Carol Bouchard, what is her legacy as of today to you? I think Marion got it right saying the competitiveness. Like That's someone who, who hates defeat. At a point, I don't think we've seen, even Rafa wasn't at this point. Like She was able to put herself in such states just to win a match and to decide, I'm going to win this, I can do it, I will do it, and not listening to, no, no logical not fit, sick, whatever happens, she wants to win so bad. That's the image I, I will keep from her. You know, the peace point, the, the common Serena, or just, you know, going above and beyond just to win a title because it matters to her, to her so much. And she's going to leave that to, I think, the younger generation that you need to battle, you need to fight for it. Nothing is granted. That, because, of course, the game, incredible. The result's incredible. But for me, the image is always the, the fighter she's been on the court. Marin Bartoli, as of today, what is Serena's legacy according to you? Well, for me, she gave hopes and future to a lot of, you know, female athletes that felt that probably she, they didn't belong there. Let's face it, tennis used to be a white female sport or even a white male sport. So she broke those barriers, first of all, being a female and second of all, being a black female. And she gave hope to so many. I mean, we, we see it with... Naomi Osaka, we saw it with Coco Goff. She has been an inspiration to so many generations and she will be even more in the future, even though when she will be retired. So for me, she's the one that gives hopes to so many that face that, you know, they didn't have a voice and they didn't sort of belong there. That's one. And second, the most competitive person I ever seen in my life um, facing her. I always felt, even though sometimes I was leading, the match was not mine and the match was not on my terms. And I never felt that against any other players I ever faced. So I would say those two parts. But if I have to stay with one, I would say giving hopes to so many and opening doors to so many. Amen. Representation matters. Simon Cambers, uh, Serena Williams' legacy as of today and according to you is what? I think she'll go down as the most remarkable tennis player in women's history in for a variety of reasons. I mean... She, she, I don't know if she's a Frank Sinatra fan, but she did it her way. She, she never sort of followed the, 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 you know, she never towed the line. She said what she wanted to say. She played the way she wanted to do. She would show up for a Grand Slam having not played, not trained for ages and go and win it. She had such an aura about her that people were frightened. But on the other side of it, as Marion has said, you know, she inspired a generation and future generations, surely, of young black girls, especially, uh, to come through and play a sport that they probably thought that they was not even open to them. She made things possible, and she also made the impossible possible. But some of the things she did in her career, absolutely amazing. The Serena Slam twice. You know, she didn't play much for a few years, still came back and dominated. And her longevity too. You know, if you put when you're when you're looking at a player's legacy, I think you have to consider longevity in it. And she has played for more than two decades at the top of the game. Absolutely remarkable. 
Trail Bouchard, you want to add something? Go ahead. Yeah, I think in, when we talk about Semina's legacy, I think we somehow we should include Venus with her because Venus was the first one to come out there and, you know, and, and getting attacked because of the pearls and just being alone on that tour for, what, a couple of years because, before Semina comes in. And, and Semina, she always had her big sister with her. And I think in this Semina legacy, it's, a, it's also the William sister's legacy. I have no idea what Venus is going to do. Uh, I have a tough time imagining she will play without her sister around, but for me, Serena and Venus on this, what they, they changed the game, which is really for me, it's the both of them who changed the game. Yeah, I've complained openly on social media the last few days that I'm upset with national media in the US. I don't know internationally, but the fact that Venus is not being discussed and presented is troubling to me, um, bothersome to say the least. I spoke to a source very close inside uh, just yesterday that told me they expect Venus perhaps to officially wrap up after Australia. But um, Marion, you seem to, to have a feeling on this as well, uh, maybe a personal feeling. What do you think on the Venus um, announcement, if that, um, in, in her finality? Well, I think they have two different personality. I think Serena always been the one, you know, sort of being loud, but in a good way and expressing what she wants to express and, and go out and say, what's going to happen about her future. Um, when you, even when you look at her, their two social media platform, you can see a difference in terms of character and, and what's, you know, Serena is posting about what Venus is posting about. I think it's very interesting to see a different dynamic and Venus always been the sort of the quiet ones, even though she was the first one birthing into the scene and being the number mm -hmm. one in the world, Serena always been the sort of loudest one, but in a very good way. And, and wanted to put herself out there and, and express who she is in, in every single shape or form. I think for Venus, she wants that to be Serena's moment. She doesn't want to sort of spoil the story. And I think depending on how Serena will feel after that, because, you know, it's, it's one thing to announce it. It's another thing to say, whenever that US Open will be over, okay, that's done. Now that's over. That's a part of my life that is definitely over and I'm closing that book. It's a tough moment. It's not an easy one to live in. And, and I think she's waiting for that moment to go through and to happen, maybe give it a month or so, and then decide whether US Open was as well for her last tournament. But I don't think she wants to go into the sort of sparkle, it's my last one, I want to show about it. I, I think she wants to sort of put that more quietly. Let Serena do her thing, take the spotlight, and then she will decide afterwards. I don't think she probably has made her mind yet. Um, but I, I, I'm pretty sure she will not go out making a fuss about it and announcing it. Um, I don't think that's part of her personality. But do she deserve a fair, uh, I mean, a farewell as well? Absolutely, more than anyone, and at least the same ever as Serena. But I think because she has a different personality, she probably doesn't want that much fuss about it. They, they are very different people. Um, a few years ago, uh, Venus, myself, a couple of friends were out to dinner. One of the friends joining us is the son of Jack Nicklaus, the greatest golfer of all time. And he said uh, to Venus, he said, how many times did you win Wimbledon? And, and Venus sitting to my left kind of smirked and she said a couple times. She didn't say five. She didn't say the year. And we all know Serena would have said, what do you mean how many times? You don't know this? And she would have rattled off this year, that year, the opponents. Very, very different personalities. We certainly all hope that Venus gets her flowers on her terms when she so decides as well. All right, staying on the women's side, um, let us continue to the defending champion as we shift gears now. The defending champion that came out of nowhere last year from the qualifiers, Emma Redenkanu. Was last year a fluke panel or is Emma legitimately a contender to repeat as champion right now? 
Last year, more fluke or more so legitimate contender to repeat right now. Simon Cambers, what says you? You can't say that it's a fluke. <clears throat> I can't say that any Grand Slam title is a fluke. You know, you, she won 10 matches. She qualified and she won seven more. Um, of course, it was out of the blue. Of course, it was stunning. But in the time that since then, she's done okay. You know, she's had a lot of niggly injuries. She had a lot of stresses, a lot of coaching changes, finding her way on the tour, a lot of things to learn, a lot of firsts to go through. Uh, coming back to the US Open as defending champion will be a freakish feeling for her, I'm sure. But I, I think her tennis is fine. You know, she's she's been playing pretty well recently without going deep in tournaments. She got a tough first round in Elise Cornet, and that should focus her. Um, but, you know, she's already played some big matches recently against Serena Williams, of course, most recently. I, I think she's done fine. You can't, I wouldn't say it's a fluke. I don't think she's a, an, I don't think she's a contender to win the title. I wouldn't put her in the top group of five or six, but, you know, she did it last year. She can do it again sometime. Martin Bartoli, last year a fluke at all? Is she a legitimate contender this time around? I'm on the same page as Simon. I, I, you can't say it's a fluke to win a Grand Slam. I mean, you have to go through so much stress and so many, so many different matches, beat so many different opponents that you have to put out great tennis for two weeks and even more for her for three weeks because she went for the qualities. But I think, was it a little bit too much too soon? Probably. Um, you know, she got that massive sort of business contracts media wave coming into her face that she had to handle all of a sudden everyone expect her to win everything because next grand slam comes around and she's supposed to win the australian open but she had the probably one of the worst preparation ever catching covid not able to practice having massive blister in her hand and then you know you start already the, the you're on a bad note and it's hard to get the momentum going a lot of players see you as like okay she's a top 10 player she won a grand slam but she has lost to that player and this player and now i can beat her as well and you start to enter the dynamic which is really difficult to break i think for me she played some of her best tennis last week in cincinnati when she beat back-to-back -back serena and vika zarenka two very difficult customers i think she put out there two great matches in a row which is going to help her to go and try to defend as many points as she can in that Grand Slam. I don't think she will be able to defend her title, but I think she will have a decent run. I think she has enough game to beat Alizé, uh, even though, of course, it's going to be a very, very difficult three-setter long rally. She would have to be very patient, but I think she has enough game. Will she win another Grand Slam? I believe so. I don't think it will happen this year, but I do believe that in the coming years, if she can put up a structure that is you know, staying consistent with the same coaching system, the same physio, fitness trainer, whoever that might be, but just a strong team together with you week in and week out to help you navigate through the difficulties of the tour. I think all those changing has been really difficult because you get just, you know, different type of talks every single week almost, or every single month. And it's just everyone has a different vision about what you should do on the court. And then it's starting to get really confusing because you don't know how you should play anymore. And, and for her, I think, you know, once again, the tournament in Cincinnati, you can see back again that structure of her game that was working last year, which is being very fit, moving really well from the back of the court, and then going for the line as soon as she can, going with that back end down the line specifically. Um, when she starts to do not feel so confident for Emma, it's just going in backwards with the forehand, she drop it short, and then she's on the run every time. So when that part of her game is working, I do believe that she can win another Grand Slam but I think he's going to take her a little bit of time. Okay, so your answers are no and no. Carol, same question. Was last year a fluke for Emma Renan Kanu? And is she a legitimate contender to repeat? 
Not a fluke and not a legitimate contender. I have to say, for me, she's a bit of a mystery. Uh, speaking of her game, because she she shot to you know greatness so so quickly that we have we had little time to really understand the player that she was. Um, so I have this feeling watching her play a little bit the past few weeks that if she can can sneak away through the first week and land in the second week, maybe. That's a player who again could surprise people because she was there and she would have no pressure because I don't think she expects a second week because she had such a, a tough season. So for me, she's a bit of a mystery and she has this X factor still because you don't know what's going to happen. You shouldn't expect anything, but so much she already did it. I'm just, I'm just disappointed. I mean, if I can't say disappointed, I do not like the way they've dealt with their structure this year, the messages that has been sent to coaches in general. That was for me this respectful and that's not helping her at all because now she has this image of oh that's the girl who keeps firing the coaches and has no idea what she's doing i think she needs structure she had it last year when she had this fantastic run and i'm i'm, I'm even surprised she's still emotionally handling it that well because it's been crazy around her so if at least now they have understood that they need to stick with the plan and not disturbing her every week, but changing her from academy or whatever. Um, but yeah, I'm, you know what? I'm not sure she couldn't do it again. It seems crazy. But when she's on a run and she's confident, she's a natural on that surface. You know, if the draw opens, why not? I would say the double no answer. But somehow for me, she's still a mystery. And you know, the top players, they don't like a mystery in the second week. They want to know what's going to happen. With her, you never know. All right. Staying on the women's side now, Iga Svatek is the betting favorite for this U.S. Open, but following a record-setting match win streak to begin the year, she's been inconsistent without question as of late. How much do you honestly like her chances to win this U.S. Open? How much do you like Iga's chances in this Open right now? Simon Cambers, you go first. <laughs> Thank you. No, not, as much as, uh, not as much as I would normally of a player of her quality and a number one. I think she's, she's gone off the boil, understandably, uh, because of what happened at Roland Garros, and she did, you know, that, that was incredible. And all that uh, run on clay obviously took a lot out of her. Now, having said all that, she's maybe had the chance to reset and to get to New York and start thinking, hmm, maybe I can do something. She's she's good enough on, on hard courts. These are, we were talking to Andy Murray uh, yesterday, the, uh, the British press on a Zoom, and Murray said that the conditions are quick again this year. Uh, so that could go against Svantec, who maybe likes a little bit more time to wind up her ground strokes. Um, and if she gets a tough draw, she's got potentially Sloane Stevens in, sec in the second round, which could be really tough. I, I think she's going to struggle to win it, but I wouldn't be surprised, of course, to see her in the latter stages. She's a quality, quality player. And I think, having looked at her laughing and giggling with Rafa in the uh, match for peace last night, I think she'll be, she'll be fine. <laughs> Marion, um, she's the betting favorite. You know what that's like. How much do you honestly like her chances to win this U.S. Open? I think just the condition don't favor her. I think she doesn't like the ball. She said about it. They're flying out of her racket. They are lighter. Um, I think she definitely needs more time to play. I think that lost at, um, at her home tournament in Poland when she lost actually to Karin Garcia really hurt her as well because... Okay, at Wimbledon, she was coming at the end of her role. She was really exhausted. She put so much effort from... Doha and Januals, Miami, all that incredible run on clay. She was really at the end of something. So you you could understand that defeat early at, against Alize Cornet Wimbledon. But then coming her home tournament on clay 
and she lost in three sets against um, Caroline Garcia. And I think that has started to get her doubts coming. And and we know she can be, you know, very emotional when she starts to do not feel her forehand, when things don't go really well. We saw it at the US Open. We had some tears. We had some breakdown in the previous years. Last year, the US End Championship as well, she, she openly talked about it. And I think that could be also again happening and start to creep in within her, which is she doesn't feel so confident with her ground stroke. She doesn't feel her timing on the forehand and, and that starts to creep in her head. And then she just can only focus on that, can only focus on the negativity of not able to achieve the same shot as she was able to achieve on clay on other surfaces, especially in Indian Wells, Miami, when the hardcore is just a lot slower. So I don't think I would put her as my favorite to win. I think... Coco Goff or Simona Halep could be the potential winners for me, from my point of view. Would she be in the second week on the quarterfinal? I surely think think it because, you know, she's strong. She's physically strong. She can run for hours and hours. She can, you know, it's hard to put her out of the court. But to go out all the way and win the title, I don't think so. To be in the quarterfinal, potentially semifinal, absolutely. All right, Carol, she is the betting favorite. But how much do you honestly like Iga's chances to win this U.S. Open? I fully agree with Simon and Mario. I think this is this is not a tournament that suits her game uh, the best. And also, you know, again, it's a proof confidence in tennis. It's such a weird thing. It can go away after just one one loss. And maybe she also will be a bit mentally fried after all she did. But I think also the thing is that they've built her game this year to be so much more aggressive than it was. That when it's not a good day and her timing is a bit off. Suddenly, you feel like she doesn't have a, a plan B, which what went an issue before. So maybe it's a little bit of everything coming together on the wrong side right now. But she is so good that a player like this, if she can get a few wins under her belt and maybe a, a bit of luck, I want to call it, with the, the weather not too heavy, uh, finding her way through the ball. As Marion said, if she's in the second week, why not? But right now, it's really she's in her head. And when she was winning and having all this trick, she wasn't thinking anymore because it was flowing. She didn't have to really analyze and be like, oh my God, what do I have to do? What is the option she knew? And now you can you can see that she's thinking, what should I be doing? Oh, but that's not working anymore. And, and she's somebody with a cerebral kind of personality and she's sensitive and she's going to doubt more easily maybe than others but at some point i want to believe that the confidence she has built since maybe january is going to come back will it be the us open or after i mean i don't want her to lose early here because it's tainting a little bit what she's done before even if it shouldn't but you know we are working so i don't think she's going to win that one but i think for her sake for next year i hope she's going to have a again a better tournament because confidence wise she might need it simon cameras Simon, you want to add something? Well, I just wanted to say I was just looking through the draw while uh, while while Marion and uh, and uh, Carol were talking, and we've we've forgotten or haven't mentioned yet Naomi Osaka. Now, obviously, her form's been out, but you know this is a, a a woman who's won the title twice. She plays Danielle Collins first round, which is really tough, really tough, and she could play Yuvan second round or a qualifier. She's got a tough draw, but I mean. You know, she's the sort of player that if she can get on a roll to... I agree with uh, Carol. I think Halep is probably... Or Marion. Halep is maybe the, the, the form favourite. But in terms of somebody who can come through, Osaka is, is one to watch again. All right. Let's shift now over to the men's side. And it's now official. Novak Djokovic will not be participating in the 2022 US Open. So I ask you, panel, what does his absence mean for this year's US Open? 
and for the legacy thereof, its eventual champion. Uh, let's begin with you, Marion. What does his absence mean for the tournament and for ultimately whoever does win it? Well, I think it just leaves a spot, and, and obviously we saw it in Cincinnati when Novak is not there, when Rafa is struggling with Swarm, it can be open to, I would not say anyone to win, but a lot more open that has been in the ATP Tour for, you know, in the last probably 15 years. So I think because of what's going on with Rafa and as well his wife has been rushed to the hospital, I mean, we don't know what's going on in there. You might have all the stuff to think that playing a tennis match, Novak is not here. Nick Kyrgios could be the one, you know, taking chances and actually using his form he has been having lately from Wimbledon and, and carrying and winning Washington and playing well in Montreal as well to just go out there and win his first Grand Slam. I, I sincerely believe we're going to have a shocker on the men's draw. I don't think we're going to have the usual either Daniel or Rafa. I think it's going to be someone that's going to sneak out of the draw, take his luck, take his chance and, and go out and win his first Grand Slam title. Simon Cambers, um, Novak Djokovic officially not playing this U.S. Open as expected. But what does this mean for this U.S. Open and for whoever eventually does win this major? Yeah, I don't like that whole asterisk chat. I think, you know, whoever wins it has deserved it. Yes, of course, Novak being not being there means that others will fancy their chances more. But you only have to beat Novak once, although that is pretty difficult. Um, but, you know, you've got to beat a lot of other players along the way. You've got to earn it. Um, no one would suggest that when Nadal wasn't uh, fit to play the US Open that Novak didn't earn it. It's ridiculous. So it does make it more open, of course, because Djokovic would have been favourite having won Wimbledon. Um, and there are a lot of players who I think will believe that they can they can do something for the first time. You think of like a Yannick Sinner who's been knocking on the door-ish or a Felix Auger-Aliassime. He's got a pretty good draw. Um, he would come through to play like a Karina Buster in the fourth round, maybe a Medvedev in the quarters. I agree, Kyrgios, I think it'll help him that he plays Kokkinakis first round. It'll settle him. It's a really good friend of his. He'll just go out there and enjoy himself. He could play Medvedev fourth round. So, you know, these these guys will believe that with no Novak there, it just means no massive physical battle. One one at least comes off the the list of things they have to do. But I I again having having listened to Andy Murray yesterday, he fully expects Nadal to have a good tournament. Now I can't imagine, you know, I don't know the details of what's going on with his wife in hospital, but I can't imagine that if it was serious he would play. So I'm hoping that everything's all right there and he plays and he, he looks great in practice. If he starts getting through a couple of rounds, gets his game back on track, then you know look at the way he's been playing this year. He is absolutely the man to beat. But there are a lot of players who will believe they can do it. Carol, the absence of Novak Djokovic means what for this Open and for its eventual champion? Well, I think it adds massive pressure on all the young ones who still are chasing you know, the, the elusive Grand Slam title. I mean, someone like Stefano Tsitsipas, for example, uh, it's like you're getting one of the greatest of all times out of the way, like without having to do anything. You haven't fought for five hours. He's already out. Uh, he's been beating you so many times. I think for the for those who really are chasing that Grand Slam title, it adds pressure on them because maybe it's like one now or never. You never know. And I mean, for Novak, it's a pity. But again, it's. Unfortunately, he brought it on himself. So yes, he hurt his legacy. That's the main thing. Him not being able to compete, it hurting his legacy. But for the tournament, of course, you lose a bit of prestige. You won't have this, I don't know, Medvedev-Djokovic battle, Nadal-Djokovic battle. It's a 
it's a freaking pity but for the others i think it's just pressure because he's going to come back at some point so you need to take the opportunity when as rafa always says i am not stupid i don't want to face the biggest the toughest opponent if i have a chance to play somebody who is going to be a bit easier i want to take this opportunity so it, it's a chance and someone's going to have to take it um i'm honestly i'm curious about city pass because he's, he's having the younger ones chasing after him uh, he still hasn't taken over Rafa Djokovic and he's in the middle and he must be thinking good I need to I need to do it at some point because you never know what's happening so and I agree with Simon Rafa I mean you know Rafa is also looking at that draw and like hmm, no Novak good news so if somebody can sneak a good win with a good draw that's Rafael Nadal all right panel now staying on the men's side Nick Kyrgios and I know Marian mentioned him as well Kyrgios has looked sharp and even more importantly perhaps focused as of late do you believe that this is his time and that he is prepared to be a major champion when this u.s open has concluded in short time do you believe this is his time carol nick curios yes or no well the thing is i feel people are not really are not always understanding the u.s open conditions of play like you need to be a fitness beast to go through that tournament. It's humid, it's heavy, it's brutal. Um, we've seen Nick Kyrgios, he hasn't played a lot this year. He's not somebody who loves practice. So my only question, it's always the same, is he physically ready to go through a US, two weeks of US Open? It is not Wimbledon. I mean, physically, you need to really, you have to go through it without breaking. Uh, he had issues before Wimbledon, he had issues throughout Wimbledon. If his body is ending, you know, correctly and he wants to play, which is the main factor, does he want it? I think he wants it because he hasn't played at all nearly that year, so he, he has to be fresh. Um, but for me, I'm not sure he has, unless he's a fitness to go through that US Open. So I don't think he can do it, but it's Nick Kyrgios. Who knows? Marian, you mentioned him earlier. He's looked sharp and focused. Perhaps more importantly, do you believe this is Nick Kyrgios' time? For me, he's the sharpest he's ever been. For different reasons, but the fact that he's happy outside of the court, which is a huge part for him because he needs affection, he needs love in order for him to feel fine on the court. Um, you know, the fact that his mother is probably the hospital he wants some part of his head i believe wants to play for her and wants her to be proud of him um he has won matches he has won tournaments yes he was a little fried and burned for for cincinnati when he didn't really play it against Taylor fritz but that was coming for after a long stretch for him and i think if he can strike matches he will i don't believe he will play right in the middle of the heat of the us open i think he will play most of his match night matches Maybe on, on Armstrong, not everything on Ash, but I think he would more play night matches and day matches, which would be a huge saver for him physically. And I think he's the fittest and most importantly, the strongest, of course, putting everything perspective for him mentally through everything he has been able to show us for the past you know, 10 years or so when, when he first arrived on the tour. So for me, he's in the best position to do it. If there's one time that he's able to do it, it's now and there. The US Open, it's crazy as he loves, it's loud as he loves. He won matches, he won tournaments, he just played a final for Grand Slam. Novak is not there. I mean, a lot of things start to get aligned. Would it be that moment? Would it be that tournament? God knows, I don't have a crystal ball to read the future. But I believe he's in the best position that he ever been to go and win a Grand Slam. Simon, his serve is working, that drop shot is working. The New York crowd loves a villain, a bad guy. 
and he might be the darling there of this New York crowd. Is this Nick Kyrgios' time for this U.S. Open right now? Uh, I mean, absolutely what Marion said. It's the best time, best position he's been in. I've been impressed with him in the sense that, you know, he hasn't just sort of knocked off after getting to the Wimbledon final. He's carried on his form. He's he's won a title. He He's looked good. He's talked very well. He's spoken about, you know, in the past, he, he would have, you know, not tried necessarily in a match, but he now realises that, you know, the fans have paid money to see him. He owes them something. And I think that's changed changed a lot in the way he looks at what he's doing. He's obviously in a much better place than he has been at, at times in his career, which is great. And you know his game is huge. If he if he serves bombs all all the way through New York, he's going to be there or thereabouts. He's going to take some beating. He's got a tough draw after Kokinakis. You know he could play Bautista a good third round. He will make it physical. Medvedev fourth round very difficult uh, it, it, at Flushing Meadows. I think if if as Marion suggests he plays at night, that will be useful because it. He'll love the atmosphere, but it will also save the heat. You know, the heat won't get to him as much. Even somebody coming from uh, where he does in Australia, it's still tough in New York. It's a different kettle of fish to anything else. I, I think he's he's got a chance, which is the first time I would have ever have said that at the U.S. Open. All right, final question, panel: How many men do you believe can legitimately win this U.S. Open, and who are your front runners? Carol Bouchard, get us started. I have no idea. <laughs> Front runners. Um, how many at least? Pff, it's going to be so open. Honestly, I think it's going to be a huge battle. Uh, maybe there's five or six guys who can hope getting through the way. I'm curious about Alcaraz, you know? Uh, Alcaraz, Medvedev. I want to believe Tsitsipas is going to show up. Um, I mean, Borna Cioric has been massive in Cincinnati. Why not put him back in the mix? I love his game. He's been through a lot lately. Um, Kyrgios, but I mean, front runner. It's crazy because I want to put Rafa first because of what everything he has done in his career. But when you take Novak out and you don't know really why, where Rafa is, you're like, mm, it's everybody, you know, Medvedev on paper because he seems to have found the steadiness uh, past couple of years. But uh, it would be fun to see Alcaraz, no? Having this young blood and, and wiping the floor with all the other ones. That would be fun. Marion, you mentioned something earlier about the last 15 years. Is it just me or does it feel like this has the most potential possible winners on the men's side over the last 15 years? I mean, am I crazy that it feels like there's a bunch of guys that could win this U.S. Open? That, yes. And I had that feeling as well when Novak got disqualified from that crazy U.S. Open and we got Dominic Tin against Sasha Zverev in the final. When, when Nova got disqualified, I was like, who is going to win the first one? You know, and, and we obviously saw the final and the nerves and everything. But, I mean, Zverev is not going to play, and I don't think Dominic Team has a shot to, to go and win the title. So we, as a frontrunner, I would put Medvedev, just because he's done it, and he knows how to play on this hard court, and he knows how to stay far back to receive the serve and then start again from the back of the court and you know do all those grindings he's so fit he can run for hours and hours and hours so i would put, put him as my, my front runner um my underdog nick Kyrgios, my sort of third save bait i always go with still rafa because it's just rafa and it's just how not he knows how to do it there but as my front runner first one i would go with Medvedev. all right simon cambers Simon, how many men do you believe can legitimately win this U.S. Open and who are your front runners? Well, with the benefit of having had time to just flick through the draw, I, I would say 
I would say... Yes, such a huge advantage. That's not fair. I mean, honestly. I, 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 I would oh say maybe uh, eight. Eight could win it. Um, but, uh, but I would make Nadal my favourite. I think in some ways we're looking at a very similar situation to the way... Can we have the, the other seven names, Simon? Please. Yes, we can, yeah. <laughs> We could have well, Medvedev, obviously. I would say Kyrgios has a chance. Uh, I would say Ogier Alassim and Sitsipas. Maybe Cameron Norrie might be there or thereabouts in the, in the heat. And then you've got Nadal and you've got Alcaraz if he gets it together. We forgot about Cameron Norrie. I think I always forget about Cameron Norrie, which I'm sorry because the guy is having a, a crazy year. But somehow we always forget about him and then he pops up in the quad. I'm like, oh, he's still here. He's playing great tennis. So yeah, maybe that's an advantage. I think that's the hist that'll be the history of Cameron Norrie's life. He's, he'll always be behind other people and talked about in different ways. But to, to go back to, <gasps> right. I, I think just to answer the question, Josh, I think I think it it reminds me of Australia in many ways. You know, Djokovic out, Nadal. No one knew if he was going to be fully fit already, uh, and Medvedev yeah. was favourite. But out came Nadal and played ridiculous final to win it. And how many on the women's show? 128. Who can win? <laughs> I don't know. I mean, legitimate winners. Who knows? But I, I think uh, I think Nadal, if he gets through, through a few rounds, has a really good chance. I think I think the speed of the conditions will not favour Alcaraz. He's not yet yet to get got to grips with that kind of those kind of conditions in New York is a lot to ask. But I love his game. I love watching him. He's got so much charisma. It's great. I think Sitsipas is the one who probably will feel like. He needs to win this. This is his opportunity. Um, whether or not he can do it, I don't know. All right. Well, we'll leave it there. There are plenty of storylines for certain. I'm looking forward to the next episode when we actually know what did happen. For our panel, thank you so much for watching. Make sure you subscribe on all social media. Remember, also, audio-only podcasts are available here through the media outlet. On behalf of the panel, once again, thanks for being with us. We'll catch you next time for the next episode of Match Points right here on TennisMajors.com.